season's going to end on a double doink. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Let the celebration begin. There's going to be a parade on Broadway. And your hosts, Brendan Deeg and Eric Warner. Hester's going to take it all the way for a touchdown. Today, I'm excited to announce that Manscaped has launched your ultra premium collection. Believe it or not, it's for your not-so-private parts. I'm talking about a leveled-up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one skin and hair kit for the everyday man. It covers you from head to toe. Literally, Manscaped is trusted below the waist, so trust them with the rest. Join 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping using code DOINK. We all know how essential the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 is for that precise trim below the waist. Their advanced skin safe technology reduces cuts to your most delicate areas. But now you can enhance your perfect grooming routine with the Ultra Premium Collection. That includes the Manscaped Premium Deodorant, the Hydrating Body Moisturizer, the Body Wash, the 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner, Plus a free gift, plus a free gift, three pack set of a lip balm. Get twenty percent off and free shipping is called doink at manscaped.com. That's twenty percent off and free shipping is called doink at manscaped.com. Also, this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, and we want to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Not everyone is someone they can lean on and talk to. That's where BetterHelp comes in. With BetterHelp, you have access to over twenty thousand licensed therapists. It's not crisis line. It's not self help. It's professional therapy done securely online. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own professional licensed therapist. If you ever search for a counselor in your area, you know it could take weeks or even months just to get a phone call back. With BetterHelp, you can start communicating as little as 48 hours. With BetterHelp, it, with BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. You deserve to prioritize your mental health this year, so get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com. We want to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is also sponsored by CoolBet. Kubet is the most transparent gaming company in the world. Kubet also provides the best odds of Canada with world-class customer service. For first-time users, you're supposed to go doink, D-O-I-K, doink, for a 100% welcome bonus under $200 when signing up with Kubet. That's code doink, and Kubet will match your first deposit up to $200. Give our friends at Kubet Ken now follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Kubet Ken at Kubet. Stay cool and bet responsibly. And welcome back to another episode of the Double Doing Podcast. My name is Brendan Deke. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. It would be greatly appreciated. You can also rate the podcast and review the podcast wherever you do listen to your podcast. It would also be greatly appreciated. My co-host, Mr. Eric Warnsey, is with us like always. And today, we have a very special guest, friend of the show, NFL Draft Analyst for The Athletic and Author of the beast, Dane Brugler is in the building. Dane, how are we doing? Good morning, guys. I appreciate having me on. No, thanks again for taking time. Really appreciate it. Um, I want to start here. So you have just dropped the beast. It is a NFL draft guide. It's two hundred and seventy-eight pages long. Um, Dane, this year's NFL draft guide. How is it compared to other years? Has it been tougher to write? Was it easier to write? Kind of just let us know the process for this year's uh, the beast. Yeah, I've been doing this for 10 years now, and I try to make it better every year. And uh, this this year was challenging, no doubt, because uh, we you know the talent pool in this year's draft is bigger than it's ever been. 
uh, because of that extra COVID year uh, that NCAA gave each college player. A lot of players went back for their fifth or sixth years. And so uh, there we have a bigger pool this year. And then we're trying to figure out, okay, the guys that were seniors this year who could also use that extra year, are they going back to school? Are they coming out into the draft? And so cross-checking with every single program, figuring out exactly who's going to be in this draft, that's, that was an exercise in and of itself. Um, and then, obviously, uh, the scouting reports on all these players, uh, watching the, all the tape, and then all the extensive background work. That's I really pride this draft guide on all the background work that it takes, You know, getting on the phone with these guys, getting on the phone with their high school coaches, uh, people that know them, just learning more about them. I, I think that really – understanding where they're going to go, uh, I think we're better suited – uh, by understanding that, by understanding where they're from. And I think that really helps uh, helps the process. So uh, that and you know, I've got baby twins at home, uh, four kids total now. So it's been a crazy, crazy last year to put this together. I was very, very proud to release it uh, into the wild uh, finally. And so uh, the feedback's been awesome. So it's been, it's been uh, really fun to see. All right. So my biggest takeaway from the Beast was that Kayvon Thibodeau is the number eight overall prospect, according to you. Mm-hmm. Do you think his stock dropped throughout the year or other players passed him in terms of prospects? I think you could look at it both ways. Um, I, I think with Kayvon, uh, he came into the, this draft cycle as the top guy. And I, even you know, going back in, in August, uh, before the college football season, uh, I released my initial top 50 and Kayvon Thibodeau was, was number one on that, on that uh, list. Uh, but I also, you know, wrote uh, in, in the, the explanation that he's not Chase Young. He's not Miles Garrett. He's not the Bosa brothers. He, he's not on that level of the, that top tier pass rusher that we have seen. I wanted to make sure that was clear from, from the get go. Um, but he's still a really, a really uh, good player because he's athletic. Uh, I think he's very good versus the run. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot to like about Kayvon Thibodeau. And then as the season went on, you know, he's banged up a little bit, um, you know, talking to teams, uh, you know, the teams have, have some concerns with him. He's not going to be for everybody just with, uh, you know, the way he carries himself and, uh, you know, his, his priorities, uh, you know, it's, it's something where teams have some question marks there. Um, and then as a player, you know, that a lot of the comparison that a lot of teams use is Davion Clowney, who was the number one overall pick back in, what, 2014? Uh, and, and so Kayvon Thibodeau has that type of talent where he's going to be at the top of the draft, but there are some question marks there in terms of him becoming a top five to seven pass rusher in the NFL, uh, being a true, you know, living up to being that number one overall pick, which Jadavion Clowney, you know, really hasn't done. He's been a solid player, uh, an, an important player for some teams. But living up to that number one overall pick, he really hasn't been able to, to do that. But uh, you enter in Aiden Hutchinson and what he did this year out of Michigan. You enter Trevon Walker. I've been a big Trevon Walker fan uh, since the fall, since October, and when I first got my eyes on him. Uh, so when you enter in some of these other players, that you know pushed him down a little bit as well. Okay, so you just mentioned a guy, Trevon Walker. There's been a lot of buzz about him going first overall, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Are you uh... – are you buying this Trayvon Walker number one train or are you thinking this is just a bunch of smoke? Oh, no, I, I think it's certainly possible. Um, if Trayvon Walker went number one overall, I would not be surprised at all. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson's a good player, but, you know, I think this is a, a case of ceiling versus floor. Uh, with Aiden Hutchinson, I don't you don't really see that super high ceiling with him, but you have a good idea what you're getting. You know, it is a high floor uh, in terms of, uh, you, you know, week in, week out, 
you have a good idea of what you're going to get from Aiden Hutchinson. With Trevon Walker, you feel like he's a guy just scratching the surface. 6'5", 272, uh, 35 and a half inch arms, ran a 4.51, which th- that'll make some cornerbacks jealous uh, with a 4.51 at 270 pounds. Uh, and to see him work out during drills was really, really impressive uh, to see this guy move. And But to be honest with you, those are the testing numbers, but I, I mean, he was my number six overall prospect before the combine. I mean, I, I fell in love based on the tape. And yes, uh, based on that scheme, he was asked to hold the point of attack and, and play the run. Uh, but when he did get those pass rush opportunities, he looked like a guy that was just different. Uh, I mean, and I've been saying this since the fall. I would not be surprised at all if Trevon Walker is the best defensive player to come out of this draft class. And so, you know, with that thinking, you add in everything he did the combine. I would. It would not be hard to talk yourself into Trevon Walker at number one, uh, in my opinion. Now, and if he doesn't go one, I think he's going two or three. So even a team like the Jets at number four, I don't think they'll even have a shot at Trevon Walker. All right, I want to switch over to the quarterback position. Last year, we had five total go in the first round. How many quarterbacks do you envision going this year in the first round? Yeah, not only the first round, but the top 15, which we've never had before. Right. Uh, last year, was just it was crazy. Uh, this year it's crazy, but for kind of differing reasons, uh, you know, we're going to have quarterbacks go in the first round, but how early to what teams, um, and how many, those are the key questions that, uh, you know, you ask different teams, you get different answers. Um, I think that we'll see three quarterbacks go in the first round, uh, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, and Desmond Ritter. Now the order, I don't feel confident about, uh, you know, where that run starts. I don't feel confident about, I do think we're going to see these guys go early just because quarterbacks always get pushed up. Could that be Carolina at six? Maybe. Uh, you know, they certainly they have not hid their interest in the, these quarterbacks. They brought them all in, uh, trying to figure them out, trying to figure out if there's a fit there. Uh, you look at Atlanta at eight, moving on from Matt Ryan. What's the long term uh, of that franchise? Do they fall in love with one of these quarterbacks? Seattle at nine has a, as a quarterback uh, question, big question mark there, long term. Uh, so there's plenty of teams that you could see potentially going that direction. But we thought that last year with the Falcons and, you know, Carolina, and, and they ended up passing on Justin Fields and Mac Jones. And, you know, I'm sure there's a little bit of uh, maybe some some uh, regret there. And does that make them go for a quarterback this year? So it's it's a really interesting mix. And then you look at the Steelers at 20. They're the quarter. They're the team that is lurking. And they've shown in the past they have never been scared to trade up to get their guy. They did with Troy Polamalu. They did a couple of years with, go with Devin Bush. If they fall in love with one of these quarterbacks, what will they go up and try and get that guy? Or will they just stand pat, stay at 20, and uh, see if he falls to him? So I think and at the, when it's all said and done, we see three quarterbacks go in the first round. Uh, but where exactly, that's I, we see some trade action. I think that's very likely. Uh, you know, Like you said, we're two weeks out from the draft, and I still feel like you know there, there's a lot we don't know about these quarterback destinations. So in your top 100 rankings, you ha- excuse me, in your top 100 rankings, you don't have a quarterback until number 30. If Kenny Pickett slotted 30, then you Malik Willis slotted a number 32. Can you remember a year like this? Is it is this like just an outlier year for this? Would and would any of the top four quarterbacks, like Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and any of the guys, Trevor Lawrence from last year, would have been number one in this draft class, no matter what? Oh yeah, I think so. I mean, if if uh, we if we had the five quarterbacks from last year, um, I think all five would go ahead of any quarterback this year. Um, and you know, I it's it's not as bad as that 2013 um, quarterback class, which 
you know, EJ Manuel, and he was a first round pick and Geno Smith was a second round pick. Ryan Nassib was in that group, Matt Barkley. It's not quite as, it's not on that level, which was just as bad as it gets in terms of a quarterback class, but uh, it, it's not that far off. I think it reminds me a lot of, uh, it was a 2011 class when we had uh, Cam Newton go one. So exclude Cam. But then after that, you had Jake Locker, you had Blaine Gabbert, you had uh, Christian Ponder, uh, all go in the top 12 picks. And I think this group is kind of similar to that, where they're going to get pushed up, whether or not they really should. Um, I, when it comes down to it, I think that when you're drafting a quarterback in the first round, that means you believe that at some point during their rookie contract, you think they will be a top 15 quarterback in the NFL. And I, I just find it very hard to have any conviction in any of these quarterbacks that they will reach that status. Uh, now, Malik Willis, I think he has the upside to do it. He does. Um, you know, the, the size, uh, he's not the tallest guy, but he's compact. He's built. Uh, he has an outstanding arm. He's an electric athlete. But in terms of field vision, in terms of anticipation, there's still – he has – miles to go uh with in terms of that development and it's not that he's deficient in those areas it's more he's just unproven in those areas because of the offense that he played in in college Kenny Pickett uh you know he's we talk about the ceiling floor argument with pass rusher with Kenny Pickett it's kind of similar there where you wonder okay I feel good that he can come in and win games for us as a rookie but is he a guy that's ever going to lead us to the Super Bowl is he does he have that type of ability is he cap out at a uh, Andy Dalton or even a Kirk Cousins, uh, you know, is that where his ceiling is as a player? And so that all of a sudden you you factor that in, maybe you're not as high on Kenny Pickett. And then Desmond Ritter, I think he's a little bit of both where, you know, he can come in and start right away, but he still has some development to do. Um, it's just a really, really weird quarterback class that uh, differing opinions throughout the league. Some teams like Matt Corral, some like Sam Howell. So, you know, it's, 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 it, the, the, Varying opinions uh, from team to team is really fascinating, and it's going to be a lot of fun to see it play out on draft weekend. All right. So it seems like every year the wide receiver position is just loaded. This year, which wide receiver would you say has the highest ceiling? Not necessarily who you think will get taken first, but which player has the highest ceiling at the wide receiver position? I'd probably say Jamison Williams from Alabama, um, and that was – it was fun watching Alabama on Saturdays last year uh, on offense because with Jamison Williams on the field, you know that at any time lightning could strike. I mean, he has special, special speed. And he's not a track guy that's out there trying to play football. He understands route leverage. He understands how to throttle down. He understands how to create those pockets of separation. Uh, maybe not the most natural hands, but he can adjust and he catches the ball well. So I, I think with Jamison Williams – uh, a guy that really just a one-year starter in, in, in college was at Ohio State, uh, blocked on the depth chart there, transfers to Alabama, and you know had this a tremendous season in the SEC. Uh, coming off an ACL injury, that's an important part of his evaluation, obviously. Um, but you factor in where he still has to grow and get better. Jamison Williams, I, there are some teams, even with the ACL, still believe he's a top receiver in this draft. Probably won't be the first drafted because of that, that injury uh, and the durability questions. But somewhere in the top 20, Jamison Williams, is he's going to go. And I think a team's going to bet on that upside and that potential and that, that big playability, what he can mean for an offense. Okay, so I want to stick with the wide receiver position here. And I am I am so in love with Traylon Burks. I've watched this guy. He's probably the, the most tape I've watched on any player. Can't get enough of him. I find him so exciting. He reminds me of kind of A.J. Brown with more juice, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, 
where do you see him going and what am I missing here? Like, why isn't he kind of getting more love for the number one receiver um, out of this class? Because I know he didn't go to Arkansas, so I know that he didn't get he didn't wasn't on. Um, Arkansas did have a very tough schedule in the SEC this year, but he wasn't on always on the primetime Saturday slots. Um, I know the quarterback struggled a little bit at Arkansas too, so he obviously didn't get as many uh, routes thrown to him and whatnot. So, what what, what am I missing here with Traylon Burks? What are his weaknesses here, and and what where, where do you put him out of your in your wide receiver rankings? Yeah, he's my number five receiver, and you know it's funny because you know at different points you talked yourself into these receivers where oh, Burks is my number two guy, I'm now he's my number three guy, and just. Uh, it, it's it, it's been you know you wake up on a different day and you have a different opinion of how you want to stack these guys because uh, they each bring something different uh, from Garrett Wilson to Chris Olave to Drake London uh, to Jamison Williams uh, and then with Burks they're each they're they're very different and they're all receivers they're all in the same stack but they offer something a little bit different and with Burks I think the biggest worry with him is he's just he's underdeveloped and unproven as a true X, a true outside receiver. Uh, I mean, he was a, a slot player for Arkansas. They'd let him in the, ba- in the backfield, really manufacture those touches because he was the best player on the field. So they wanted to get him the football. Um, and then he goes to the combine, and he he underwhelmed a little bit. Uh, at 225 pounds, he's a big guy, obviously, 4.55 in the 40, which at 225 pounds is not a bad time, but I think we were expecting more. When you watch him on, on, on tape, he doesn't get caught from behind. I mean, no one in the SEC had more plays of 20-plus yards than Traylon Burks. And so, with, with you know, you think about what you saw on, on, on tape and you expected these uh, at better times, and he just wasn't able to, to do that. And I think part of it is, uh, you know, his weight. I mean, I, I was told that at the end of the season he was close to 240 pounds. So that's something you have to monitor and watch. Um, and I think just it's just a lack of experience as a true X receiver uh, going up against press coverage, winning, uh, you know, consistently down the field on the outside. He's done it. I mean, you, you can point to examples on tape where he has done it, but consistently. I think that's that's where some of the doubt creeps in for teams. But nonetheless, this is still a first-round player. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, and you look at the Cowboys at 24 the Bills at 25. I mean, there, there's several teams that I think will be – I think we're maybe happy to see that 4-5-5 at the Combine because all of a sudden the teams in the 20s are like, oh, maybe we have a shot at them now. So uh, some of those teams were not, were not too upset that it, uh, Burks didn't blow everybody away at, in Indianapolis. Yeah, and he has breakaway speed too, I noticed. Like he, yeah. he, he never really got caught from behind mm-hmm. in college, if that makes sense. I want to go over to the offensive tackle position and – it's kind of been said that it's a two. The top two dogs are Evan Neal and Equanu. Charles Cross is getting some steam. Do you think he'll uh, close the gap and it'll be a three-horse race, or is it just those two guys at the top, kind of ahead of the pack? Well, on my on my board, my top one hundred, I have all three of the top seven. So I think they're uh, pretty close. Um, I, Charles Cross, he is. It talk about his movement patterns. You talk about his hand exchange. He's as good as it gets in this in this draft in terms of pass protection. The big question with Cross is just as a run blocker, uh, can he develop in that area? That that's where the concern is coming from that air raid offense, which wasn't asked to do it a ton. Um, but with with Cross, I think it's easy to get excited about uh, his frame. He's only a redshirt sophomore. He's still a very young player, uh, and what he's going to develop into. So Charles Cross, he, he's going to go somewhere in the top half of round one. It's just a matter of it, could he get above Evan Neal or Kwanwu? You know, it, each team will kind of look at it differently based on what they're looking for. Uh, but I'm, I'm a big Icky fan from NC State. He's my number two overall player in the draft. 
310, explosive, explosive player, uh, dominant as a run, uh, run blocker. But his the strides that he made as a pass protector, that, that that's what really sold me on uh, on on Iki Iquano. Uh, I think he's a guy still getting better as his technique, as his uh, awareness continue to mature and get better. He's only going to become a, a more dominant player. So whether you want to play him at guard, whether you want to play him at tackle. Icky can do it all, and that's why I think in this draft, he's. I'll be surprised if he doesn't go somewhere in the top five picks. Uh, and then Evan Neal, I think you know he's he's an interesting player that uh, has played three different positions each of the last three years. So you have the position flexibility with him, six seven and a half, three hundred thirty five pounds. And when you look at him, you just you don't know where those three hundred thirty five pounds are because he's so sleek uh, for his size. It's really uh, really something. And I mean, he moves well for that size. Very smooth, very flexible. Um, Falls off some blocks. You want to see him tidy that up. Uh, but, uh, I mean, the, all three of these guys are easy to get excited about how they can come in, help your offensive line, uh, really from day one. Yeah, it's crazy to me they're all born within about a month of each other, too. There's just no difference in age. I think all three of them are going to be top ten picks and have successful careers. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, I, I think that if you compare it to last year, I don't know if any of them would go ahead of – Penny Sewell ahead of uh, Rashawn Slater. Um, so I don't know that they're your traditional top five type of tackles, but they're they're really good players who I think are going to come in and contribute right away. I wanted to rewind button, Dane, to kind of last uh, last year's draft. And uh, what uh, which player surprised you the most with the season that they had in the 2021 NFL season? Is there a guy that you thought would struggle and played well, or is there a guy that you thought would have played better and struggled? Uh, how do you think these guys kind of panned out in your opinion? Well, you know, it's hard not to look at the quarterbacks. Um, and, uh, you know, Zach Wilson from uh, to the Jets, you know, I think you expected a little bit more. He, he was very up and down. You saw he started to get better towards the end of the season, which is what you want to see from a rookie quarterback. You just want to see progress. Um, but it's, it, but it's hard when, uh, you know, he just doesn't have a lot around him in terms of, uh, the offensive line, all, all the issues that they had, the, the receivers, and you can say the same thing about Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, uh, Justin Fields in Chicago. So, uh, Mac Jones being the most productive of those first, uh, I, I guess when, in hindsight, maybe it shouldn't be surprising because Mac Jones was the most NFL ready, uh, doesn't have the ceiling as those other quarterbacks, but in terms of being able to come in, contribute right away. Uh, I, I guess it shouldn't have been surprising, but just the fact that those other quarterbacks struggled as much as they did, it's, it's going to be a big year too for, for all three of those guys. Uh, and Trey Lance as well, throw him into the mix, uh, even though we didn't see as much with him. So we talked about how these quarterbacks, how five went in the top 15, you know, that, something we've never seen before. Uh, now it's time for these guys to live up to it. And this is a, you know, for franchises like the Jets, who have two first-round picks this year. Uh, they've got two uh, early picks in the second round. This is a chance for them to help out a young quarterback. So do they go receiver with one of those top 10 picks? Uh, do they go with another offensive lineman just to uh, you know try to make things easier on their quarterback? What do they do in order in terms of the support system? Um, so that's, that's something that I think is going to be interesting with those quarterbacks or with the teams that drafted quarterbacks early last year. See how they support those guys in the first round, second round this year. So my last question for you, I'm going to get out of here on the defensive side of the ball. Kyle Hamilton's a guy I'm really intrigued by. Do you mm -hmm. have a player comparison for him? Uh, you know, there really isn't an, an apples to apples comparison with him. He's so different. Uh, you know, a guy that's 6'4", 220. Uh, you know, guys just don't, safeties just don't look like this. Uh, I think if you took 
uh, Isaiah Simmons uh, come out of Clemson uh, a couple years ago, and, and then Justin Simmons, uh, safety for the Broncos, and you kind of mashed them together. I, the result would look something like a Kyle Hamilton. Uh, he, he's just a long athlete, those long strides. He's got range. He could play that single high position, play split safety, uh, can work in the box. You could just do so many things with him. But I think you have to have a plan when you draft him, you know, because he is so versatile. But in order to really maximize his, his talent and what he can do, you have to have a plan for how, based off of what the offense is doing, how you're going to deploy uh, Kyle Hamilton. And so a lot of teams are going to be just not interested in a, in, a, in a safety that's that unique that early in the draft. But I, I think somewhere 11 overall, 12 overall, 13 overall, uh, what's that, the Washington, Minnesota, Houston – Somewhere in that range, I think, is going to be the sweet spot for Kyle Hamilton, where we're going to see him come off the board. Oh, man, I would love him to fall to 50 to Philly. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, it, I think there's a few of those guys. I, I'm actually I'm working on a, a mock right now, a seven-round mock, and I've got okay. the Eagles, uh, uh, I think, in Jordan Davis at 15. Uh, yeah. And I, I think that's a guy that Howie wouldn't be, able to, wouldn't be able to pass on in terms of plugging him in middle of that defensive line, what he could mean for that that defensive front. So, uh, yeah, I've got him uh, – this will be up on, on the athletic this week, but uh, I'll give you Philly's first two picks, Jordan Davis at 15 and then Drake London at 18, which I oh. think would be uh, be a home run for that. Oh, team. Dane, don't tease me like that right now. It's too <laughs> early to tease me like that. Um, but uh, I, I actually think the Eagles are going to end up with either a Jordan Davis or Devontae Wyatt. I, I think Howie likes a defensive mm. tackle position too much where I don't mm. think we'll let one of those guys go by him. But uh, last question for you here. Um, the cornerback position is really intriguing to me. Uh, I, I think there's a, a top number one in Sauce Gardner. Uh, quickly, how, how high do you think he goes? I, I don't think he makes it past five. Is, is that crazy here? Um, I, I think he might, um, but I, I'll, I'll say I don't think he gets past seven. Okay. Uh, one of those Giants picks, I, I think. You know, he could very easily go top five. Uh, I think that uh, with the Jets, that's interesting because the philosophically, philosophically, I'm not saying that right. Philosophically. You got uh, it. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> they you know, talk about J- Joe Douglas, GM, Robert Sala, head coach. They want more pass rush, than, I think, than prioritizing the back end. And so I think more likely we see the Jets go with, uh, you know, someone in the front that's going to help put pressure on the quarterback. Um, but could we see uh, Sauce Gardner go three? Sure. I think that's possible to the Texans. Five? Yeah. But I think offensive line is going to be the priority for, for the Giants. And so I think offensive line five. Sauce Gardner at seven. That might be an ideal scenario for the Giants. Okay, quickly, last question here. Who is the second cornerback taken? Because there's kind of a bunch in a little bucket here. You got Trent McDuffie, right. Stingley, Andrew, um, Andrew Booth. Who do you think ultimately is the second cornerback taken? I think it'll be Stingley. Um, uh, based off of you know what he did his pro day, which is good to see him moving around out there. Team still have some questions, obviously. He's not a not a super clean player uh, with the, the durability pass. Team's wondering, okay, is he a tough through injuries, things like that. But I think when it's all said and done, uh, Trent McDuffie, I, I, I'm a big fan. He's my number two corner personally, but I think the lack of length is going to hurt him. And then Andrew Booth, I, it, he's he might fall out of the first round completely just because of the durability uh, concerns. Multiple surgeries this this uh, spring hasn't been able to work out for teams. A really good player who uh, has that discount sticker on him because of uh, the injury questions. Dane Brugger, NFL Draft Analyst for The Athletic. Thanks so much for joining us. Before you go, why don't you plug in anything you got coming out, and why don't you plug in the beast? Yeah, I've got the seven-round mock coming out this week on The Athletic. Um, and then, yeah, make sure you check out the draft guide. Uh, if you like the NFL draft at all, 0% chance you'll be disappointed with what it has to offer. And all you need is a That's subscription sure. to The Athletic, and it, you got it uh, as part of that. So I think it's, it's a great value. Thanks so much for joining us, man. Really appreciate it.
Thanks, Thanks guys. Today,